Hi, Rodney Jane here. This end of financial year, drive into big savings with Bob Jane T-Marts. Buy three selected Bridgestone, Yokohama, Dunlop, Goodyear or Kumo tyres and get one tyre free. We've got alloy wheels from $125 and quality tyres from only $69. That's right, quality tyres from just $69. And we won't be beaten with our best tyre price guarantee. Call or shop online today. At Bob Jane T-Marts, we'll look after you. T's and C's apply. coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Hey, it's the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels here. My name is Grant Rowley, and I came up with this awesome plan a, uh, a, a couple of days ago to do a mid-season supercars review. Only to wake up uh, just this morning and sort of work out that we're not quite at the uh, midpoint of the season. So it's the almost midpoint of the season supercars review. And I've drafted in two of the greatest journalists of all the times. One from Australia, one from Western Australia, one from New Zealand. It's Andrew Van Leeuwen from uh, motorsport.com and the Castro Motorsport News podcast. And Simon Chapman from Was Wide World of Sports, ABL and Champ Man. How are you? When you said like Was Wide World of Sports, I was like, what? Has it been a change of employment here? But I get what you're saying now. Like, <laughs> like it wasn't the past tense. Like, was it yeah. Wide World of Sports? <laughs> no. I understand no. it now. He's at the Was. It threw me for a second. <laughs> I thought for a moment. Yeah. The was. yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, within. Within the was circles, it's called was. I was um, right. I thought when you were doing that intro there for a second, Grant, and you said from West Australia AVL, I thought you're going to roll out from East Australia, Simon Chapman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that, uh, that would have been good. And uh, maybe I'll rewind and then just uh, it patch patch over this and and make it a bit better afterwards. I w- I won't do that. Yeah, so cool. So, um, like, we're almost at the uh, midpoint of the year, and there's been so much going on in uh, supercars. And uh, Chapo, let me start with yourself. I know that uh, that supercars isn't exactly your hundred uh, percent beat these days. You still do a little bit of uh, top level supercars reporting for the wide. Can I? Can I sport. just? Can I? But can I butt in here just yeah, quickly? Go for it. Like I, I. Chapo's reporting on supercars these days is classic man who's never coming back to the supercars paddock and talking to anybody's style. It's excellent. Like it's just he just has a freedom that the rest of us don't have because he's just sitting at home going, "How much throttle can I give this story?" It's great. Like I'm, I say this out of a place of uh, pure jealousy. Nothing else. I love it. I, I have I have so much fun um, with, with oh, my writing. It's it's I fantastic. I'll tell you what, when I when I first joined Wide World of Sports and I rolled out my first like sell, um, they're like, nah man, like you gotta go you gotta go way harder. And I've I've quickly learned that you've got to put a lot of a lot of gas in your headlines, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um it just makes there's me nothing a bit more wrong sexy. with that. There's yeah. nothing wrong then, with that at all. It's it's like it's amazing. And it's like obviously the headline is the thing that people always take exception to as well. So usually when you're getting torn up for something, it's because of how you've headlined it. But again, you're just you're like, whatever. I'm not yeah. I'm not rocking up to the next supercars round of walking the paddock and getting torn up every second garage. Let's go. Let's just well, gas even, this baby even up. Then, even then I think it'd be okay. I, I don't think there'd be too many people trying to take my head off if I wandered back into the supercars paddock anytime soon. I think it's like it's probably on the cusp, but I think it's just it's just the right amount amount of gas at just, the moment um, just a few lacerations yeah. not a not right. a complete, yeah, uh, yeah. Just, a, just a flesh wound it's i'm um, gonna stoke a, i'm gonna stoke a few fires to make sure you're wrong about that but anyway <laughs> let's go let's go carry, carry um, on well let, let me uh just uh, just in terms of those headline things avl we uh mm-hmm. the three of us actually spent a, quite a bit of time uh together down at the philip island speed series event and one of avl's takeouts from the weekend was some of the great headline work that Chapo was using uh, in just in that that race weekend, and even uh, walking up and down the back of the Phillip Island Speed Series paddocks, everyone was talking about the angst with uh, Owen Kelly and some of his 
Trans Am rivals with uh, some of this stuff that had been that had been built up. And Chapo's headlines and some of his story angles to really drive that rivalry and drive that uh, interest in Trans Am was or like AVL just to use your um, uh, to use some of your language was just like really on point. It was you know just the right amount of gas to uh, to generate the interest and to uh, create create that is uh, those rivalries and really that weekend Trans Am actually uh, you know absolutely lived up to the hype with some awesome on track racing as well. But uh, yeah, Chapo's um, Chapo's editorial really did help a lot. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. I hope you're going to cut this bit out but yeah I was like why is this turning into the Chapo Appreciation Society I was just saying (laughs) no you can leave that in we all love Chapo (laughs) I met Chapo I met Chapo at the TRS launch at uh, Hampton Downs many quite a few years ago when he was Mm. just nobody right and but now you're admitting he's a somebody No, he's just he writes good headlines. I like it. I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm ascended. It, it took a while for Amy to uh, to give that compliment, but he, he dragged it from <laughs> he dragged it from the bottom of his belly. Uh, okay, cool. Chapo. Yeah, no, no, we do love Chapo. Okay, but all right, that's enough. That's enough. We love Chapo. Let's talk about some supercars and my almost mid-season supercars. Your five twelfth review. Thank you. Uh, excellent, yeah. excellent and it's, work. And on it's the great production. timing because it's not like there's a there's a race like next week and then a massive gap until the next race after <laughs> that. So you've you've really pinned your timing of your mid season review beautifully. It's perfect. It is. It is perfect. It was. It's. Hey, look. It's what you got. It's what you're going to listen to. Uh, but look, there has been a lot going on in the first uh, the first six months of the year. Maybe this is the end of financial year review of um, the current supercars. But look, we've um, we've saw we saw new cars come through and they were the big talking point of the championship. And I, and I suppose that the you know there was a couple of key things that we needed supercars to hit. One, the cars needed to represent the on on the road versions of their um road going brethrens and i think that's a massive tick the cars look good they they all sound good uh the other thing was to improve the racing product there probably wasn't a great deal wrong with the racing product beforehand but uh, this would only improve it with uh with with less aero and and some other bits to just to uh try and make sure that these things could race even better abl your nose is on the ground and uh breaking most of the stories have the new cars hit the mark early and i'm sure that big p word uh that ends with arity is uh probably going to come into play here but your take on these uh these new cars almost at the halfway point of the championship um i don't think it's easier to race than it was before. I don't think we've seen much evidence of that. My concern with these cars always has been that we'll end up with Carrera Cup racing, which is traditionally not very good racing um, because you just run out of adjustability in the cars and good drivers are able to extract what they need out of the cars quite easily and then it becomes impossible to pass because you can't pass unless you've got something better than the guy in front of you. This idea that if you put everyone in equal cars, like the best driver will just win, doesn't actually, it doesn't work like that. And Carrera Cup is the perfect example of why it doesn't quite work like that. So um, particularly in Darwin, we were hearing a lot of guys saying that you just can't follow. You've got a couple of laps and then you cook your fronts and you can't follow. And that was always the issue with the Gen 2 cars that creeping downforce that we saw particularly through 2019 as they were sort of trying to adjust the parity and ended up just giving both cars more downforce. That was always blame the dirty air. That's, that's causing the issue. It seems now that it's the fact the cars don't have enough downforce and they're not actually working the tire. Sorry, they're sliding on the road and working the, top, the front tire too much. Um, so maybe the answer lies in developing a new tire. I'm sure there'll be plenty of chat about that, but like, uh, Darwin was a classic case of um, there being lots of interesting results in terms of, you know, two new teams winning races, all that sort of stuff. But the races were Carrera Cup races. They were not great races. So I think 
you know, Gen 3 was something that had to happen. There's no doubt about that. I'm glad that it's here. It's very good that we have these two models competing with some element of factory backing in this category. But the, probably the one area at the moment where it's difficult to see that it's delivered is that the racing is significantly better. Chairman, you've been watching from the couch writing fruity headlines when you have uh, found the time to uh, report on supercars. Your take on the first five rounds of the championship? Yeah, I, I think it's been good but not great. Like, there have been some some little flashes in the pan where you're going, oh, that was a really good race and you know some some different results which is obviously what they they set out to achieve but um yeah i'm obviously a little bit more detached from supercars these days than what i used to be but yeah still that that issue with the the guys talking about the tire overheating is a is a big drama um and geez you'd be annoyed wouldn't you if you were supercars and just maybe said oh maybe we should just change the tire and then we maybe wouldn't have had to spend tens of millions of dollars on building a brand new car. But yeah, it kind of it kind of feels like we've done we've done ninety-five percent of the work. And if we can get that tire right, then maybe it'll be a better product. But yeah, it's it's in an odd place at the moment because you've got just utter domination from the Camaros at the moment. And that's not a good thing. Um you know they keep talking about the parity trigger and everything behind it and not really helping their cause at the moment is pretty much low-key propaganda from some people. Um, yeah, like I saw that story that Roland Dane put out where basically he sort of suggested that, you know, if Cam had won that race at Darwin, we wouldn't be having this chat about parity. Well, that's just, like, wrong um, because everyone behind him was in a Camaro, you know. There have been some good opportunities there for Cam. Like, you, you can't take that away. Like, at Tassie, you probably... Probably would have got a couple of pole positions there if if it had not been bought by those DJR cars. But like ninety percent of what we've been seeing is is just Camaro Camaro Cup stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Like, when's the tipping point? I guess is the next question. Like, when when do they figure out how to get these cars like on absolute parity? Because it's so it's so subjective at the moment. I just yeah, I don't know. It's it's good but not great. It's sort of just the overwhelming feeling at the moment. Kind of the issue they've got they've, with the parity thing as well is that like they've never supercars has never tried to parotize two cars that are so much the same. Like under the skin, they are absolutely so similar, apart from the powertrain or well, the engine, mm -hmm. because beyond the back of the engine it's the same powertrain and the aerodynamics. So that's things are actually super close, and that's been supercar's defense. Oh, we'll look how close it is. The field spread's tiny, but the issue is that in the past, you had all these other factors like the opportunity teams had to develop their front uprights and all these other little bits and pieces that helped shape the competitiveness of the field. And now there's nothing like that. So it is just like the, 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 the light has been shone so brightly on this parity stuff. And yes, the field is ridiculously close, but obviously there's an issue. Because the same cars keep winning, the, the same brand of car keeps winning. Um, I also like that. Obviously, that take that if Cam Waters had won, we would have had peace and parity, peace in our time. Like, yes, like that is absolutely not the case. There is, there is clearly an issue, and I think it's going to be a tough road to get it right from here because, like, it's just. It's so sensitive now because the cars are so similar. Like, imagine going back to my career cup example. Imagine if you could run different aero packages. Like, it would just—that's a very difficult thing um, to try and and paratize, and then expect them to all be the same. It doesn't matter what aero package you're running. Like, it's just that sounds like a bizarre scenario, but that's effectively what we're trying to do in supercars. And Aviel, I'm curious to sort of get your thoughts on some of the the chat behind the scenes because from my loose understanding at the start of the year, um, there was obviously some complaints about the engine disparity and some complaints about the aero disparity and they sort of settled on that. And the aero, aero stuff was all happy days. And then Ford have come out again and said, oh, no, we're, we're still not happy with the parity on the, on the aero side of things. So like how... How many 
complaints can Ford make until they're stoked and can say, okay, yeah, like it's it's spot on. Like, do they need to chuck it in a wind tunnel? Do they need to chuck it on this super high tech dyno and just sort of like get it done with in that sort of mid season break and say, okay, whatever the results from this are and whatever changes we make, like that's it. Or like, how long does this sort of keep going on for? Because you've got a subset of fans at the moment who are feeling pretty sort of left out. Like you can imagine every DJR fan at the moment is going like, heck, when's our turn sort of thing? Every floor yeah. fan's going, when are, when are we going to have a crack? Yeah, so the transit dyno is a thing that I think really has to happen because as much as, so it seems this latest engine map um, has kind of um, got got the drivability to a point that's acceptable, but at the end of the day, for as long as we still have, so at the moment, you know, it, I think it's 105 millisecond sh- um, shift recovery in the in, on the Chev engine, and it's 30 milliseconds on the uh, on the Ford. So until they are the same, then it's not actually parity. Like they're, they're they're just using a band aid solution to kind of solve that issue. So um, I, I think they've kind of so that they need to actually solve that in a more permanent way. So. Um, there's this idea that that's not an issue anymore, but it it it, it still definitely is. Um, the aero one's really funny because after Bathurst last year, when the new shape Mustang rolled out, there was all this concern. It sort of came to a head uh, at Adelaide, and they did that extra V cap. They added the gurney to the Camaro. Sorry, that the the the, uh, the little. Um, I can't remember what you'd even call them. I think they were actually being called Gurney, just on the leading edge of the wheel arch on the Camaros. There was some genuine confusion when we got to Newcastle as to why that was the solution and why everyone seemed so happy with that as the solution. And I think that's actually played, those concerns have played out to a large extent because it clearly hasn't solved the issue. And as much as Ford did seem happy with what had happened and felt that the data was very transparent, but the drivers straight away were saying, no, no, there's something, this isn't just motor. And I've heard that so many times from so many drivers. This isn't just motor. That is a better balanced race car. The Camaro is a better balanced race car when you're following it. So yeah, it's it's messy. And the, the, the thing is, if we look at like Gen 3 had to happen, it's good that it happened. I'm still of the opinion that I don't know that changing the motors was something they need to do. They could have actually just avoided that for the the cost that it's going to add to go through this whole process. Now they really could have just probably stuck with the motors we were using and not had a question mark over it. Cause we haven't had engine parity issues for a very, very long time. You know, this is, this is a new thing for the series to deal with. There were like obviously issues with, with with Car of the Future when the Nissan and the Volvo came in and the Mercedes, but for these two models, it's always been so simple, and suddenly it's not. So there's just there's just so many parameters that are causing headaches at the moment. And if it sounds like I'm like I don't actually know how to answer that question, because no one does. And that's where you land when you talk to guys on the Ford side; they just don't know what exactly is wrong. And that's probably in 2019 we knew what was wrong. And this year, we don't necessarily know what's wrong. Um, so we get to Townsville in basically a week when this pod lands. We're seeing cars roll out of the back of the trucks. We know that a parity uh, discrepancy has been triggered. Do you, AVL, do you feel that there will be a change? I honestly don't know at this point. I think there will very potentially be something um we've seen how quickly teams can turn things around if it's as simple as coming up with a solution of some sort of minor change to the rear wing of the mustang most likely um but i i really don't know at this point the 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 talks started the proper talks about what the next steps are started on monday there's been some solutions put forward um on from supercars and from Ford, and we'll kind of see where where that goes. But yeah, I really at this very moment, I'm not 100 percent sure if we're going to see aero changes by Townsville. Mm. Okay, cool. Well, uh, it's a uh, it is an an interesting topic, and yeah, you uh, you only have to read some of the uh, social commentary and um, any of the. Uh, publications that everyone tunes into to uh, to really get a sense of 
of that frustration. But uh, on the flip side, it's also a, uh, a a talking point for the category. Chapo, would you, uh, if I pose this question to you, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, is it just good that there's, you know, something juicy like this to talk about? Or is technical stuff like parity between brands of cars just too much and 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 stuff that the category uh, that is that is bad for the category rather than being good i think it's quite possibly one of the worst problems you could have to be honest because i, I think the analogy gets made it's it's a bit like playing rugby or or something it's a bit like 10 against 15 you know you sort of just you're stuck with your hand behind your back sort of thing you know we we want controversy don't get me wrong, we absolutely want controversy in sport, but it's not the right kind of controversy. It's the kind of controversy that sort of makes you want to switch off because you don't... If you're if you're tuning in, knowing that your driver can't win, well, then why would you watch? You know, that's kind of the... That's the drama at the end of the day. So it is... It's a, a really bad problem to have, and it's kind of not funny, but you would have thought only having two kind of cars to deal with would make it pretty easy because it's literally just two, you know, you watch GT3 racing and they've got, you know, up to 10 manufacturers and and they're able to do it. But because they have so many and people, you know, people in comment sections are like, oh, why don't we go GT3? Why don't we go GT4? Why don't we go Mark Car? Whatever. It's because there are that many manufacturers that there is kind of just an acceptance amongst the manufacturers that some cars are just good at some tracks and some cars are just good at others. A bit like, you know, the Audi's being really good over the top at Bathurst and then the, the AMG's being really good in a straight line at Bathurst. So, you know, to that end, yeah, supercars is in a, a bad place at the moment just because it's it's not fair. And fairness is is really key. Like parity is all about equal of opportunity, not necessarily equality of results, but it feels like we've gone like all the, the other way completely where it's just, yeah, it's just way too one-sided at the moment. And AVL, can can it be recovered? How quickly can it be recovered? How quickly does it need to be recovered? Yeah, look, I really don't, I really don't know. Um, I think just having this additional factor of these two very different motors complicates things because even if we sort of the arrow out tomorrow, you know, there's still a fair way to go with getting the motor side of things right. So I'm sure it can be sorted or sorting it may be just a change in philosophy in terms of going well you know and this is something that came up on uh you know that my co-host on my other podcast um stefan brought up this week that you know the way nascar does things which is here are the parameters build your car as long as they fit within those parameters that's all we ask and if your car is good great and if it's crap too bad we'll do it again at the end of the year and you can have another lash at it but until then, like you didn't do a good enough job. This is what you've got to deal with. Um, so perhaps we've moved to a point where the cars are just too similar. It sounds silly, but the cars are just too similar to try and have different models and have proper technical parity. We may have reached that point and we may need to, to rethink the philosophy of the series. Mm, the big big points uh, yeah that's that's a huge point for particularly for ford teams or ford fans to know that uh, you're just going to have 2023 or any year as as a complete write-off is but that's um, how but that's how it works look at formula one you get given a set of rules and as long as your car complies whether it's good or bad is really up to you and if it's bad you know like mclaren can't go they can't go to Formula to FOM and go, hey, our car seems like a pretty big piece of crap. Do you mind like giving us a bunch of concessions to make it better? Like they're just done. They have another chance next year. The same rules will be there. They can have another crack at. Maybe like, is there any real threat of Ford pulling the pin? Like, there's a lot of social commentary from Ford fans who are just over it, and there seem to be some fairly strong comments from Mark Rushbrook. Could they? At the end of the season, if it if it is just a Kamara whitewash, could they just say, "No, nah, we're done"? Yeah, of course they could. They have that option. I mean, it's it, it's not out of the realms of possibility by any stretch of the imagination. You know, they 
they are the most invested manufacturer. But I also think that there is a lot of talk about the fact that, you know, oh, they're the invested manufacturer, they should be looked after. And that's not right either. You know, like it's it, it's still, if the philosophy is technical parity, then it shouldn't matter which manufacturer is spending more. That's what we're actually trying to avoid. Like that's the actual point of the whole thing is to avoid whoever's spending more to be doing better. But look, I, I could certainly see them um walking away i guess if they ever felt that they wanted to reduce the investment when things aren't going well and you kind of have that to hide behind it's a good time to do it to say well we don't feel like we've been given a fair crack so we're gonna take our bat and ball and go home so look it is definitely a real danger um i just hope that that doesn't get used and i think that in 2019 we kind of saw that play out where that threat of well, we'll just go kind of was potentially like misused to some extent um so yeah but yeah it's definitely a possibility no doubt about it well uh kind of half the pod down and the majority of it already either uh talking about parody or parody so um we can we haven't even uh, started this this mid-season review oh i know (laughs) that's right that's right but look of course that's the that's the big talking point and it's a big talking point and well the mid-season review an ongoing thing but let's uh let's talk about what has actually happened on the track for sure we've seen a lot of camaros doing winning we haven't actually seen a ford cross the line first in any race yet uh, but the Camaro team that has been the best is the uh, Erebus Motorsport Coca-Cola Camaros. Uh, they've done a ter- they did a terrific job certainly in those first four rounds of the season uh, and still run one two despite a disappointing or out of character Darwin performance. They uh, they're still leading. The championship with uh, Brody Kostecki on top, Will Brown running second, the best of the Fords in fifth with uh, Chaz Mostert. So, AVL, would you, uh, like, I guess uh, we came out of Simmons Plains and, you know, the headlines were all that the Coke team were the real thing. They're the, they're the absolute mm-hmm. real deal. Uh, maybe brought back to life, brought back to reality potentially, in Darwin, is is Triple Eight still the team to beat? Do you think? What's your what's your take? Yeah, I think so. Like, I would certainly be not ruling out either of those Triple Eight drivers winning the title. And I think it's very easy to kind of go, "Well, Shane's not at the races at the moment," but there's just such an amazing chance that come Adelaide, he's going to be holding the big trophy. Again, you know, I think that is a very tough team to beat. And we've seen this so many times when you have a new car come in where other, you know, you have your upstarts that come along and go, oh, we've got a handle on this. But Triple Eight just, they they just always end up somewhere in the game again. So it's, you know, it was interesting in Darwin um, and I'm not, suggesting anything here Erebus have done like an amazing job there is no doubt about it and I and and that's been one of the feel-good stories of Gen 3 you know to see a new team really come out of the blocks and and become a a genuine player there was a lot of talk about more scrutiny on suspension stuff you know in terms of uh, caster in terms of uh, making sure uh, anti-roll bars are actually connected and all this sort of stuff and there was lots of teams, like the reality is there was lots of teams saying, well, we'll see where the, what this does to Erebus because uh, maybe they had, it's not saying they were playing outside the rules or whatever. They had to actually, you know, reinforce some rules. Um, but we did see that a more beatable side to that team than we had seen in Darwin, you know? So was it related? Who knows? I, I genuinely don't know. I guess we're going to see how the rest of the season kind of plays out. They still did. If Darwin's a bad weekend for Erebus, they did a pretty good job. You know, they really sort of limited the damage there. But I don't know. You sort of look at Brock Feeney. I'm still surprised at how rapid his progression has been. And I sort of feel like he could be a factor in the championship this year. Mm. He really could. Yeah, he's certainly there. And probably looks a little bit more yeah polished and faster than 
Simon's uh, Kiwi brethren, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. This weekend, of course, he's off in Chicago racing in NASCAR in the debut of the uh, brand new street track uh, over there. First time NASCAR's raced for championship points on a street track. Simon, I know uh, you've got to wake up pretty early on Monday or actually all over this weekend to cover some of um, Shane's stuff over in uh, over in Chicago. But do you think just the last couple of rounds, he's kind of been a little bit uh, distant and, and um, you know, it's not the Shane of that, that we've been used to for the past three years, four years, five years? Uh, maybe, maybe to use one of Shane's uh, own iconic phrases. I think at Hidden Valley, he was hating life. Um, after Friday, you know, with all the dramas and practice, he was just out of sorts. I think that kind of set the tone for the weekend and, and this whole season. Actually, even let's go with him. He, ha- he hates Darwin at the best of times as well. Exactly. Like, hate yeah. Him. He hates Darwin. He hates the, the new car. Like that wasn't, that was never really going to be his weekend. So to come away with a podium um, and be pretty happy to get on the red eye on Sunday night without having lost too many points relative to the guys ahead of him, I think he would have been um, pretty happy. Um uh, you tracking yeah, his flights like, there, Chapo. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. Everyone was on that red eye um, out of out of Darwin, but you know, like you take, Not you, me, take those two, those, nah. <laughs> you take those two disqualifications out from Newcastle, and Brock and Shane are one and two in the championship. I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, Brock's really impressed me. Shane's doing as good as he can uh, with a car that he really doesn't like, and it's just not not doing him a lot of favors at the moment. So yeah, I, like AVL said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes away with the title one way or another. He's just, he's just that good. He'll work, he'll work his way through it. And I also wouldn't be surprised if Brody and Will end up tangling with each other at some point too. Um, mm-hmm. Just those two are so close together at the moment. Um, you know, they're all, it's all very happy days at the moment, but it only takes one race for them to trip over each other. Um, and it'll all, it'll all come undone. But yeah, it's fascinating that the, what is it, first through fourth are separated by like just over 100 points at the five twelfths point of the season. Um, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Thank you. It's good. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, so Erebus and, and the Red Bull Ampole guys have uh, have clearly been the standouts and uh, and that's where they sit in the championship. One, two, three, four. Uh, other standouts that um, that have been heralded through the season, but AVL, Chaz Mostert, best of the Mustang runners, still fifth in the championship through perseverance and through getting a lot of results. Darwin uh, had its absolute ups and downs for them, but he, he certainly uh, waved that forward flag as, uh, as, as best he uh, possibly could. Not the fastest forward, I think we'd all probably admit. Cam Waters has uh, proven that he's him and Tickford have got a pretty quick package. But uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you reckon? WAU and and Chaz Mostert are sort of thinking at uh, at this point of the year. I think there's probably a level of frustration there. What was quite interesting in Darwin, I mean Bruce Stewart, who is the WAU team principal, he is very measured and actually quite shy when it comes to addressing the media and will always kind of try and not say anything controversial. And uh, how open he was about the frustrations with the parody stuff, I think was a very interesting insight into just the level of frustration of that team at the moment. They're just kind of inconsistent. They can't quite get on top of it. they got some super smart people there who I think are frustrated that they can't grab hold of the issues with the Mustang and maybe run with it more. But obviously in this Gen 3 year with so many control parts, they kind of don't have that option. Um, and not being the homologation team to just say, hey, like, I think there's people that feel that they sort of understand how to fix things to some extent. But yeah, just an interesting sort of space uh, in general for that team. Um, Chaz raced forward really well in Darwin. 
Um, we've seen Nick have to do that a lot because he's been struggling qualifying for the last couple of years. But Chaz really did a, a great job in Darwin of sort of rescuing what on paper, you know, after his first qualifying lap in uh, on the Saturday, I think it was, he genuinely felt he was the slowest bloke out there. Like, felt he was the slowest guy out there, and they kind of just rescued it. I think he qualified 17th that day, and that was like, this is amazing. The next day, he was right down the back. They raced forward, but he's fifth in the championship, but he's not a title contender. And this is a guy that's like an A-grader. Like, there's no question over the driver when it comes to Chaz, but that's just kind of where they're at at the moment. They're sort of not consistently the best forward team, but he's the best forward driver. It's just, with all those teams, it's so hard to read them at the moment. Look at DJR. You know, like it's so up and down. You know, there's a podium for Will in Darwin and then Anton looks like he's so quick in practice one day and then absolutely nowhere. There's just, yeah, it's very difficult to read. Okay, uh, Chapo, let me just fire a few uh, names and teams at you and uh, tell me the one that uh, stands out the most for... Uh, something that has impressed you beyond that top five in the championship. We've got um, uh, BJR doing a pretty normal BJR job with Andre Heimgartner eighth. Bryce Fullwood is 12th, which is pretty impressive compared to where he may have been over the past couple of years. Matt Stone racing, Jack LeBrock sitting in the top 10, taking their first win. Uh, Premier racing, 10 top 10 results for this year. They haven't really threatened for podium or, or a, um, or certainly a race win at the moment, but they've sort of shown some signs of, of going okay for you of the uh, other runners. Who's been your standout? Uh, That's a good question. Um, James Golding has shown some good little flashes. Um, I've been impressed by him at times. Um, at, in Hidden Valley, he was sort of on the fringe of the top five there, I think, in the first race on Sunday. So he and Tim Slade have actually been going pretty good. I think they're, they're right next to each other in the in the championship at the moment. And they kind of feel, they've kind of got that Team 18 Gen 2 sort of vibe about them at the moment where they're kind of there or thereabouts. And every once in a while, they'll just pop up and you go, oh, heck, like these guys are actually in contention for like a, a top five finish here or maybe with, even threatening for the podium. So Premier have been been pretty good. And I guess that's testament to the fact that they, they've got Triple Eight built cars um and they've got a, a pretty good good setup there at the moment. And it's I think made more impressive by the fact that they're only a, a second year team. Um and they're ahead of you know established guys like Scott Pye, Anton Di Pasquale and, and James Courtney. You know, there's they're ahead of a lot of really big names in the drivers championship at the moment. So I'd I'd go with James and Tim. I like it. Okay, um, that's uh, that's all the standouts. It's all the feel good stuff. So there's uh, on the flip side, there's probably a whole bunch of disappointments. ABL, you'd mentioned uh, Anton Di Pasquale, uh, and 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 sometimes feeling like that he's missing. If anything, DJR really, um, you know, Will Davison showed with a podium result at Darwin that uh, that it can be possible. Uh, but they really, you know, Anton, well down the order. I think he's like 17th or 18th and, uh, you know, not uh, not quite in the game at the moment. James Courtney, I think, is even below, but it's probably not a fair representation uh, because he has had some some good results and uh, and has shown a lot of really his good car, speed. His car did burn down and he missed like a whole that day of racing. But doesn't yeah, generally, that doesn't generally help. Uh, no. your uh, your your chance at the championship, and yeah, Nick Perk had I guess uh, similar sort of boat with uh, burnt burnt down cars, but uh, not really, um, yeah, not anywhere near where we'd expect Nick Perkat to be. Uh, are we are we still surprised that Nick is so far down the order, and and it is and is yeah just. Finding life at WAU as hard as he is? I think Nick's probably, you know, deep down surprised by that as well. There was obviously this reset with Gen 3 where he had the opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, come out and and sort of try and be a bit closer to Chaz. And 
we've seen some evidence of that in the last couple of rounds. He did our qualify Chaz twice out of the three races. Um, or was it three out of three? I can't quite remember. But he certainly, um, certainly sort of made some games to, gains towards where Chaz is uh, in qualifying in Darwin. But it's just one of the, the odd things. And these weird things, like this is professional sport. Like this is performance-based sport where you can't always quantify everything that kind of happens, if that makes sense. Like there are just odd things that happen. And for whatever reason, it's just not quite gelling there. Like we know what Nick can do. We saw the way he led BJR. For so many years, um, but it just, it just, it hasn't worked. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation is that it hasn't worked, and no one could dispute that. Even, even Nick, um, I really thought he would be, he would give Chaz a hard time, um, and that hasn't necessarily been the case. Mm. Um, he hasn't had. You know, I think the engineering group around him hasn't been as consistent as you would like and all that sort of stuff. But he seems to be with Adam Austin at, at a place that is working for him better. And we're seeing some an upswing in that. But, you know, obviously this is a performance-based sport. And at some point you're going to come under pressure if you're not performing. Um, and there's going to be pressure. You know, he's in the last year of his contract. There's going to be pressure on what Nick does next. It would just be a genuine shame if someone that has achieved what he has achieved, you know, if, if he couldn't pull out of what at times has felt like a nosedive since he made that move to WAU. But yeah, I guess we'll see what the, the remainder of the year brings. Uh, there we go. Um, Smon champ, man. And let me actually, can we, can we talk about why I've just called you Smon champ, man? I don't know if that's something I've ever covered in the in the podcast. No, I will get you. To, I will get you to uh, talk about what your um, disappointments are and uh, for this season. But Smon Champman came from a bit of a gaff in the uh, broadcast <laughs> of the Speed Series round, the Bathurst Six Hour, where you got your uh, your big Speed Series TV debut and the graphic that popped up while you were standing alongside the great man, Matty White, um, didn't say Simon Chapman. It said Smon Champman. You've changed your Twitter handle to be Smon Champman, which I think is just the best way of owning a uh, pretty big personal gaff there for you. Um, what do you think about life being Smon Champman? Were your parents happy that the broadcast had changed your name? I sent it to my parents and I'm like, what are we looking at? I was just like, mum, I'm, I'm on TV and they like cocked up my name. And I'm like, oh, great. Good to, good to see you on tally side. So they, they didn't really didn't really care that much. But yeah, it was, it was pretty funny though. Like I swear to God, everyone in that paddock just calls me Simon now. It's, it's great. Um, but yeah, how good you, you spend your entire upbringing idolizing matt white and listening to his famous bathurst calls and you get to stand next to him on the tally and you and yeah you, we super down in the corners there's simon champ man i was like ah yes i've I've made it we've peaked you've uh you you're uh you're underplaying this you're calling it simon but it's just not it was simon. s-m-o-n simon. Yeah. sorry bro yeah. it's simon it's simon <laughs> uh, okay. yeah Cool. Um, all right. So, uh, any other little takeouts that uh, that you can pick from the first five twelfths of this uh, Supercars Championship um, that uh, that you feel where uh, I don't know, maybe that uh, some have lacked, and you just uh, maybe might have expected more um, in the in the, in this new generation. Oh. I know it's I, I know we've kind of already touched on it, but man, Anton Di Pasquale has been really disappointing. And I know I know that a lot of it is probably a little bit of parody and all the rest of it, but Chaz Mostert is still able to get a top five and Cameron Waters is still seventh. And Will Davison is up in ninth, but Anton's just just really lagging at the moment. You know, this is the bloke this is the bloke that we were told five, six years ago ago was going to be like the next Craig Lowndes or the next Scott McLaughlin right like he was supposed to be the kid who'd come onto the block and really shake things up and 
it's kind of just been a bit of a, a downward trajectory or a bit of a bell curve, if anything. Um, he's gone up and now he's on his, his way down. And I just, I don't know, I'm not sure what's going on there with Anton. He doesn't seem super enthused um, just from what I'm seeing on the tally. Um, and he's still yet to get more than one top five finish this year. Um, whilst Will Davison has at times looked solid. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed in Anton. I'd really like to see him up the front because he was one of those young next-gen guys who should be who should be should be up there with Brody and Will. He he's definitely and and Brock. He's definitely part of that that pack of you know the whole graduates of the Norwell Motorplex. Um, so yeah, it's really it's actually a bit gutting to see him down there. I'd like to see him up the front. Well, that's very nice of you saying that uh, you'd like to see an Australian towards the front as well. You're very patriotical. You'd you'd love to see your Kiwis do really oh, well. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, and we are seeing some uh, some big rising Kiwi stars as well. And I've got two that I want to float past you, Smon. Uh, <laughs> one is Ryan Wood, who's mm-hmm. in the news quite a bit, and uh, you know could possibly see himself. Uh, edging towards a supercars drive for next year. So the boys um, got options. The boys got options for next year. There we go. So AVL is actually good? breaking. He's breaking all this. Uh, he's broken broke the news wow. about uh, Ryan on on a couple of occasions here. So, but but uh, so Ryan won his first uh, Dunlop Super Two race in their last round over in Perth. Do you know much mm-hmm. about this this kid, Simon? Is uh, yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember chatting with Ryan years ago when he was just coming on the scene in Toyota 86s in New Zealand. So I've known him for a few years now and he'd always sort of, like, you've got to understand that the landscape in New Zealand motorsport is a bit cooked at the moment. Like, it's not like Australia. It's not nicely structured um, with logical pathways and stuff. So he ran around in Toyota 86s, did really well there. And then rather than going over and, and doing the Australia thing, like a lot of people do straight away, he actually got heaps of seat time running around in, in an endurance race in New Zealand, doing uh, the South Island and North Island endurance series in a Porsche 911. And, and, and seat and time was, is so this, invaluable. And this was all before he was 13 years old, right? Yeah, basically, basically. No, <laughs> this is only in the last couple of years. Um, but basically, you know, he took the time to just, hone in on on driving fast cars fast and that really set him up for when he came over and did the i think it's porsche michelin sprint challenge um i'll get that out right uh and was obviously like neck and neck with tom Sargent. and in and we all know anyone who does really well in those porsche junior series tends to go well and on to great things so we're seeing that with tom at the moment ryan was super shy which is hard to believe when you, if you meet him now like he was super shy when he first started racing and he's really come into his own now he's He's super outgoing, super cocky. Um, he knows he's fast, and he's kind of he's kind of got a bit of a Shane Van Gisbergen streak about him. Like, we'll just jump in the car and drive and just rag the thing. Um, and I think that's probably um, why he's able to get so much out of these Super Two cars at the moment. Which you know we saw at, at Perth last year with WAU, they were P nowhere, and now all of a sudden they're, they're P one um, in in Super Two. And yeah, I think Ryan's got a lot of potential and it's and, and you can see that the demand from is there obviously with Walkinshaw uh, I think team 18 as you wrote AVL have, have got some interest in him as well so the fact that there is um, you know interest in a, in a top line guy like him is is really good so he's he's definitely got options um, which is which is cool because I think he's, he deserves it he's just fast you know he's just fast and raw and he's a bit brash you know like he's he's not super polished um, so he, it'd actually be a real good fit for supercars. Yeah. No, he's good. He, he is. I mean, this whole situation he's found himself in started when he was, you know, took part in the WAU evaluation day and he was just so ridiculously on it straight away that, you know, they were like, we need to do something with this kid. And they are tipping money into his Super 2 program to have him in the series. And obviously that's immediately yielding success. What happens next is interesting because he sort of seems to be, you know, a player in the silly season and has an option to go to team 18 if he wants it. Um, 
WAU would like to keep him, but whether they have space for him next year is there's a question mark over that. Um, but yeah, exciting talent. And it's always fun when this stuff happens, you know, and you sort of see someone come along and, you know, poll in Newcastle, those wins and uh, over here in Perth, like, you're like, this guy's a real deal. Like, that's cool. It's always fun. He just happens. sucks at starting, though. That's his only drama. He just sucks at getting well, the car off the line, which makes it for great racing because he puts on some fantastic passes. Well, as you you know, as you said, he's he's like Shane, and Shane's no good starting. And Shane actually <laughs> feels bad that he's uh he's passing the allergy to knowing when the light goes out onto uh, poor Ryan. So mm-hmm. yeah, that is something he has to uh, he has to work on. Ah, oh, very cool. Uh, this the silly season AVL is kind of uh, it's 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 kind of there's a little bit of meat in it this year. Uh, you know, there might have been the there's a lot of talk about would Shane stay or would he go? And he's uh, very firmly affirmed that he's going to stay, which is great okay. because he's the best driver that we have in this part of the world at the moment. And and we don't want to see him go as much as we're kind of looking forward to seeing how he goes over in Chicago this weekend. It's um, it's going to be very exciting, but the silly season still has a little bit of bubble to it, which is, which is nice. Maybe something that we might have missed for the uh, for the past couple of years. Yeah, I guess so. I would definitely say that it's great that Shane has said that he is going to be here next year. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't necessarily bank on too much at this point. Mm. I may well be wrong on that, but right. I would sort of, yeah. I, I, I there's just Sorry, he's gone. There you go. Let's let the man who doesn't have to go back to the paddock speak the, <laughs> speak the truth. Uh, I, I, I tell you, your okay. tweets today. I did see your tweets today on that. I would assume, like he'd, he'd let you know if he was going right. Smon, he'd give you a bit of like a uh, oh, is, is you know, the Kiwi, the Kiwi, uh, the Kiwi cool. code. Yes, who's the Kiwi code? I don't already know. Oh, hey. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm still. I don't know. Shane does not seem to like supercars at the moment. Um, so let's maybe just put a wait and see on that whole thing. But yeah, there's some interest in the silly season. What Cam Waters does next is interesting. You know, like I guess even if Shane is going to stay, it's probably only going to be for a year. So you have to factor that into your thoughts if you're someone like Cam and go, right, so where do I go from here? Do I hang on a bit and see what's happening next year? Or even do I let Tickford take the option and go, well, I'll do another year, but then be ready to go to Triple Eight in 2025? I don't know. That's all just speculating. But obviously, yeah, the major players at the moment are Shane, maybe. Cam, definitely. There's just too much smoke about this, you know, WAU poaching of Cam for there not to be some flames flickering away somewhere. And then, yeah, you've sort of got Ryan Wood. Um, and then, you know, where do the likes of Nick Perk at Scott Pye potentially land as the merry-go-round kind of goes on? So, yeah, there is definitely some stuff uh, going on, which is, um, you know, it's always fun, particularly given the fact that we've covered off a lot tonight that we're not even at the halfway point of the season. Oh, but we're so very close, aren't we? Well, <laughs> if you're working out on percentages, it's not that close, but you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. We've got to get through Townsville. <clears throat> and as you'd said yeah. just before we went on air, we've got such a nice big gap between round yeah. six and round seven that I could have, <laughs> I could almost, have almost just... like that would have been a, an amazing time to do some sort of mid-season review but anyway whatever that's fine <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. you know the parked up podcast style we like to do things differently and this is the almost the... mid-season review I know the Grand Rolly style that's what I know and I know it all <laughs> oh, too well I was <clears throat> I was just like I'd like to hide behind the uh, parked up Monica but uh, no worries AVL just name check me no stress that's fine. What, what, people know what your name is. You just start the pod with it. <laughs> uh, very good. Um, okay, cool. Hey, uh, Smon, we've got mm-hmm. some speed series in about 17 weeks. You're yep. looking forward to that? Where's Queensland Raceways next? It's in 
July, great time to go to uh, Queensland. It still seems like a fair way away. Because uh, it is. That, the, it Talk is... about a consistent calendar. It's like race oh in Tasmania. Let's have two months off. Let's do two races in about three weeks. Let's have another, like, I don't know, 29 months off and then have another round. Easy to follow. Yeah. Look, it's it's not ideal. It's not great. Like, it's Supercars has got enough problems with having 12 rounds spread over three years. Um, it's Speed Series at the moment. Um, I think it's kind of, it's, it's made its bed with that uh, Tassie government deal, having the season start so early. And that's that's made things seem so much longer. And then obviously having to move that SMP round towards the end of the year to accommodate for the TCR World Tour has just meant that we get this massive gap in between events, unfortunately. Yeah, we um, were meant to have raced last weekend. Yeah, literally, literally. So, you know, it would have been great. Uh, we could have been chatting all about Josh Bucken winning by 30 seconds at SMP or something, but we're not. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's something that they definitely need to work out for, for next season with whatever the calendar looks like. And from the sounds of things, there's, they're, they're kind of keen on stability, which maybe isn't necessarily the best thing. But, yeah, good good to have a, a winter getaway from cold old Sydney at, at the moment to go up to QR and what is it? I think it's basically bang on a month or so. Um, that'll be good. TCR TCR is generally good at at, um, at QR and, and so is Transam, the two line acts and GT World Challenge obviously return for that as well. So that'll be that'll be interesting. The paper clip. So yeah. Just, just to boy, see how that goes. Boys, promise me, I like I can't imagine I'll be at QR, but promise me just steer clear of the scallop pies that took care of that scallop poor Frenchman. Pies. <laughs> yeah, the poor Frenchman that came out to race TCR oh, yes. at QR a couple of years ago <laughs> and uh he fell afoul of a scallop pie and uh couldn't take part in the rest of the weekend. So just make sure that was the official line was it? Those. I'm just saying, um, I just, just we the PR bloke that, that you? Uh, well, I was the PR bloke and I had one hell of a Sunday. I'd let me just tell you, it was <laughs> uh, a, yeah, it was an interesting Sunday when we arrived for the bloke who had practiced uh first and second on Friday. Uh, we went to Saturday and he qualified on pole and won on one on that first race on Saturday, and then we turned up on Sunday. And he wasn't anywhere to be seen. So um, that was uh, one of the more interesting days as a uh, category. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Grant, was at, if Grant was at the Scallop Pie shop with, with <laughs> I, was, I, I was with you. I was with <laughs> yeah, you. You're right. You're right. We, were, we did that again that night. <laughs> we did. I mean, we, we had a few scholar pies as well. We 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 put a few scholar pies away that night. I reckon that was uh, that was the famous night of the Indian Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We no, had we uh, definitely... just just for all of our for all of our listeners here on the uh, Saturday <laughs> night of Queensland Raceway uh, TCR Shannon's Nationals or um, what whatever it was called back then, uh, first year of TCR. We had a nice little media contingent uh, come to the, uh, the the place that we were staying. Avio, I think you were in the you were staying in the place that that we were at. I'm very very sure of it. Yep. Uh, no, but uh, Tommy Tommy Howard now working for uh, the Motorsport Network uh, and living over in the UK, former Speed Cafe. Uh, he he was there and he and he lived in uh, Queensland and he brought his PlayStation to the circuit and we hooked it up to the hotel room TV. We only had one uh, one little simulator there and I think we we're racing Assetto Corsa. We ordered Indian uh, for about uh, five, six, seven or eight of us and uh, we ate a lot of Indian food, which was amazing and we all just had turns at going on the simulator to set our best lap time, I think in like, uh, those little Formula Renault open wheelers around Zanfort, um, and uh, it, it got it got very competitive. It, it there was we were obviously very well hydrated as we were uh, doing all of this as well, and 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 really one of the great nights, and and really just one of the best things about going to these events. Uh, you know, work hard, work hard during the day, and um, and and and. 
enjoy the evenings uh, as much as you can. And, uh, you know, we woke up the, the next day and thought, well, that was a whole bunch of fun, only to realize that there was a lot of work to do, certainly for the uh, PR bloke the next day. Uh, at the circuit to um, to try and figure out exactly what was uh, what was going on. So uh, yeah, one of the uh, memorable memorable race weekends, and uh, maybe something a little later for the book. Not that I'm planning on writing a b- book, Crusher style. Yeah, right, right, I crush it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. Um, hey boys, uh, that uh, I think that has very successfully summed up the first five twelfths of the Supercars <laughs> Championship, the first two sevenths of the Speed Series, uh, <laughs> the Speed Series, and also um, it's actually three. But record, I record, that. Oh, have we done three? Oh, of course yeah. we've done three. That's right. Yeah, Tasmania, was, Tasmania was this year. Like it was actually <laughs> this year. <laughs> it does say. Now it, it feels like it was in twenty. We've actually done it four. Was <laughs> four. Four. We've done four. Well, done Tazzy, yeah. Bathurst, Winton, and Phillip Island. Four sevens. Oh, Bathurst. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yep. 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 All very memorable. Good series. Good series. Love it. <laughs> All very memorable. Uh, and before any of us get sacked, we'll, we'll uh, very quickly move on. Uh, lads, thank you so much for uh, joining into the Parked Up uh, podcast discussion. Uh, look, it's yeah, lots to talk about in the 2023 season. So much more to talk about as well. And maybe we'll come back for the almost end of season review just before. Oh, the you should Adelaide do a season review on the, on the eve of the Adelaide 500 for sure. <laughs> you should definitely do it. Let's, do you want to uh, do an actual mid-season review? Like in a few weeks' time? Could... Oh, no, no, no. We've, all, we've done the almost one. So <laughs> well, why would we need to do a mid-season one? Like we're, we're ahead of the curve pre- You should do your season preview just before Adelaide for 2024. <laughs> really get on the front foot. <laughs> oh, ABL, I'm looking forward to headbutting you next time I see you. <laughs> well, it's going to be in Tansville in like four, five days' time. So uh, I'll make sure I'll make sure I'm wearing a helmet. Let's put it that way. At least some headgear or something. I think actually State of Origin might be on that weekend as well. So we'll be in real a real a footy fighting mood. So um, don't uh, just don't wear any maroon or actually uh, up in that part of the world don't wear any light blue on that weekend yeah i might just wear some black and gold and stick to my west aussie roots and just uh steer <laughs> clear good. of that drama altogether i think very good and uh just as a little parting gift how's your uh auckland warriors going there Smon? oh gee whiz what <laughs> what in the fuck is an auckland warrior <laughs> it's now we're talking about the New Zealand Warriors, which is part of the NRL, and I like to call them the Auckland Warriors. And he right. loves uh, Smon for for such his intellect and his um his you know great standing a, as a he's journalist. A, he's a union man. He's a union. Man. He's a union man, but he somehow loves the New Zealand Warriors NRL team. He like he is obsessed by these guys. Obsessed. Right. Does he actually support like the Pukukaui? But where's the Puka? There is a team. Uh, it's the Steelers. The County's Monaco Steelers. There you go. The Puka Kaui Steelers. That's, yeah, that's the from. one. Yeah, yeah. Monaco. County's Monaco. But yes, the Warriors. I love I love the Warriors. Monaco? Um, Monaco. Jesus. Is that no. right? Morgan Shaw's <laughs> rugby team? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, I always thought it was Manukau. You say Monaco. No, no. No, no. Manuko. Right. Yeah, just wait until Supercars goes to Topor for the for the Supercars next year. That'll um, yeah, we'll have to teach a few That'd people how to say say that. That'll be fun. I can't wait to go to Topor. I'm very excited. Yeah, I love you. Should deal. be good. Yeah, no, I'd like genuinely miss what it's just great memories of going racing there. Can't wait. It's a good little town as well. Like it's it's very small. Like there's there's really not a lot there, despite the fact that it's a tourist town. There's a great little hole in one competition that you have to play where you just hit golf balls onto this tiny little island in the lake. And that's kind of the sum of um of Topor. That's all you do there, really. Wow. So you said that's a tour it's a tour so Topor is a tourist town. It is. So all we're gonna yeah, do is play putt putt golf. Big lake, go go maybe um 
salmon fishing i think um and there's also like a shrimp farm on the way in um go up the road go look at some geothermal activities yeah there's, there's a bit going on the big mountain that you can look at and a racetrack awesome well i'm keen on salmon fishing well that sounds great yeah and and uh, just the Simon, the circuit will be perfectly fine to have a high level supercars motor race there. Absolutely. Well, they had they had A one GP there, so um, yeah, it's like outside of actually, it's probably better than Hampton Downs. It's probably it's probably one of the best circuits in the country in terms of just how, how like ready to go ness. Um, yeah, you wouldn't have to do much. I always wondered about Hampton Downs if they ever went if they ever went there and ran the long circuit. I don't know if you've ever had a, a close look, but on the extension there, there's basically no walls. So if you if you like had a brake failure or something, you would literally veer off at the end of the straight and into like cow paddocks. Um, so I don't know whether that was ever a consideration when they went there, but yeah, Topol is definitely ready to go. Yeah, cool. Well, we definitely need to go back to New Zealand. The supercars. Uh, championship needs to be in New Zealand, and it uh, and it just it, it it can't come soon enough, and it's uh, it's such a shame yeah, we're not Singapore. going back there th- th- this year. And regardless of um, of where we go, you know whether it is uh, whether it is Topor or a uh, or a different circuit, uh, really can't wait to see the the Kiwi fans as well. Uh, and Simon, can't wait to see your face next time. It'll probably be at Queensland Raceway for some speed series. AVL, I'm going to uh, see your face in Townsville for some Repco Supercars action. Yeah. And yep. lads, Looking thanks so to. much for being part of the, Ooh, the Jap- almost... Japanese grant. Japanese. Our, oh, yeah. Our little, our little Japanese down there on the water. I simply can't, can't seem to wrap this pot up like you blokes just won't. But <laughs> that's fine. I know. You're I right. Because that Japanese... That Japanese place at Townsville is is very very good. It's very yeah. good. It's like not the fancy one. It's no, the non fancy one. We're no, no, the non fancy one. You're right. Yes, yeah, it's a beauty. Yeah. No, we know, we know, we know. We went there you, last you, year. And you we'll could, go there you again. could, you could come, Smon, but you uh, decided to take the was money <laughs> and uh, leave us all. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sellout, but you know, you've been gifted some cool headlines. So who's the real winner here? Uh, Oh, thanks, lads. Uh, you can hear more from the uh, from all of the podcasts that happen all around the world, including AVLs. He does the Castrol Motorsport News podcast, of course. Uh, you can hear Mark Fogarty every Monday, Parked Up Plus. That'll come out on Monday, 5 p.m. Uh, Girls on the Grid have a new podcast, the Napa Auto Parts grassroots racing podcast comes out this week as well let me give you a little tip it uh they feature uh dan beckinsale from uh the man who heads up the Blendline tv uh coverage that you see on your youtubes he brings the best of grassroots racing to all of your uh eyes and ears uh so uh so we can all see some of the great state and um sometimes national level uh competition that uh that 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 they broadcast uh on the youtubes and that's about it um thank you very much on behalf of uh simon chapman or smon champman andrew van lawn and myself will uh you can hear more a little later on you've just listened to another network car production 